Hello and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And we are going to be wrapping up our out-of-state week here at Playmakers Corner with a special guest, my cousin here, who, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know he's done some scouting reports for us on some linemen. He's kind of our go-to guy, Mason Austin. Mason, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're going to be looking all over the country, basically, down the uh, eastern coast, down to the southwest of Texas. And we're going to start off with Jamal Cariglia out of Maine, who plays at Coney High School. He's a running back slash linebacker. Simon, do you want to kick us off on your analysis of Jamal Cariglia's strengths? Oh, and by the way, if you're if we're saying our name wrong, just let us know. And to everyone on this episode, you are invited to come on if you so please. Yeah, yeah, that that's a norm. So <laughs> yeah. just throwing that, that out there. But yeah, so Jamal, I think the biggest thing that really uh, stood out to me was that he just has a high motor. You know, he's a very He's very much an effort player. You know, he'll give you his all, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side. And, you know, he'll he'll get you those extra yards if you need to, you know. So he's it's obviously it's obvious that he's somebody that works really hard and that'll get after it on the field. He's kind of that guy that you like to have out there just to set the tone. You know, maybe he doesn't make the big plays or this or that, but, you know, he'll be out there, he'll set the tone, and he'll continue to set the tone and the attitude for whatever team he plays for. And so that's something that I really like to see as well. In addition to that, I think Jamal does have some pretty solid hands as well. You know, he a lot of running backs catch with their bodies, and that's usually out of laziness sometimes. Uh, but, you know, he uses his hands, and it's a pretty good. And so that's definitely a skill that you can't take for granted, whether he is, whether he's at running back or at a linebacker. And then, you know, he does have some solid enough speed, you know, solid enough to make it to the next level, I would say. Like, it, it, it could work out. So there you go. And oh, and then last but not least, as a linebacker, I do think he has some pretty solid instincts there. You know, he's he plays the run pretty well, and uh, he does his thing. So yeah, but Cody, what about you? So uh, I'm gonna verbatim repeat some things because I wrote solid instincts, high motor. I also, I, I wrote down good hands, which is a little bit different than wording it as solid hands, but he really does have good hands. I definitely think that the most eye-popping play on his entire highlight reel was the interception that he had where he definitely went up for it and was fully extended and was even a little bit acrobatic to an extent uh, as far as interceptions go. So sure, yeah. I, I really liked, you know, seeing those, and, and like you said, the instincts on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was a run play or a pass play in some instances, he definitely showed proficiency in both aspects of the game as a linebacker and as a running back. I also think that he's a solid enough tackler and he's really good at forcing turnovers. Whenever he tackles, he gets his helmet or his hand on the football. And there is one game where he forced two fumbles in one game that I'm pretty sure his team might recover, but you know, he, he's a threat to force turnovers, whether he's intercepting passes or first forcing fumbles. And I also really like that, you know, he's able to keep his legs chugging when he's running, you know, he, he's not going to give up on a play like Simon said with the high motor and, you know, he'll push through for as many yards as you could possibly ask for. Mason, what was your analysis of Jamal here? Basically just going to say the exact same things. You guys took most, most of them. I say that at linebacker, I see him making pretty good tackles and good plays. He definitely has the run capability 
to like stop the run. And he definitely knows. I think it comes from being a running back himself, knowing that how to fill a hole. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What What are some areas of improvement that you saw, Mason, that you would address for Jamal here? Uh, I think he really needs to work on his stride. His stride is like a huge, huge thing. I think he just needs to lengthen it in a way. That's basically what I see. All right. So basically, you could be a more efficient runner is what yeah. you're saying. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Fair enough. If you want me to go? I could go next. Yeah, sure. All right. So with Jamal, um, so this isn't as much a weakness as it is a concern. I think him not, and we didn't mention this before, but he didn't get to play his senior year in Maine. I'm pretty sure they just canceled sports altogether in that fall. And I don't think he will even be able to play in the spring. So in my opinion, that hurts him the most because I think we all really wanted to see maybe a little bit more, um, just film-wise all over the field, whether he's a runner or a linebacker or whatever, we just wanted to see more. We wanted to see improvements. We wanted to see him grow a little bit and all that. And for all we know, you know, he, I, I don't know. He could be much more improved. His running stride, I mean, his strides could be better. He could be stronger. He could um, just look, I guess, less clunky out there. But we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns here, and I think colleges will see it the same way because also you can't be bringing in players for uh, personalized workouts anyways uh, just because of COVID and all that stuff. So I think that really hurts him, just having that many unknowns. And, you know, his film, the last film we saw of him being from almost two years ago, basically, which a lot could happen in two years. And I, I don't know. I don't feel, I guess, as comfortable trying to nail some of these uh, areas of improvements because for all I know, they could have improved. But I'm just going to throw, the, throw this out there one more time. I agree with Mason. He could have a more natural running form just in general. He does look a little clunky out there. And so I'm just working on those fundamentals. That's never a bad thing. And then i like for him to get stronger if he's going to play linebacker. He would need to get stronger um, and bigger weight-wise if he's going to play linebacker. And then if he's going to play running back, I'd like to see... A little bit more explosiveness uh, so that he could accelerate to that top end speed quicker because he doesn't have great top end speed so there you go but Cody why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about some concerns errors of improvements whatever yeah so I, I definitely think the word that describes Jamal as a football player is raw based yeah. off of the film that we saw you can see that there are definitely a lot of strides that needed to be made, and he looked like a first-year starter on varsity, absolutely. He may not have been, but he definitely looked the part as far as being a first-year starter on the football team, you know. Like Simon said, he's very clunky, just with his body movements in general, you know. His arms get kind of outside of him, his legs move kind of funky. And, you know, I'd say even at linebacker, he'll cross his feet sometimes. So yeah. it just looks like he doesn't have a whole lot of body control, if I'm gonna be honest with you. and. We'll talk about some players on this episode where their body control is actually their greatest strength, even, I'd argue. So, you know, I'd say, Jamal, go ahead and pay attention. Watch some of these guys film to see, you know, what what a really balanced and smooth runner looks like. So I'd also recommend just agility training in general, you know, like getting a ladder and doing ladder drills would be a huge area of focus for Jamal as far as improving his agility and his clunkiness a little bit and just his unbalanced i'd say and doing some core workouts and figuring out how to use your center of balance to your advantage is something that i recommend for jabal and then like you said not very impressive top end speed definitely not division one top end speed 
and not really the burst to even get to that top end speed, you know? So once again, that's something that that's something that you could address in the weight room, probably depending like doing your squats and your power cleans and stuff. So I try and give him some recommendations on what to do. And who knows, he might've been doing them, but you sure. know, Jamal is, uh, you know, it, the main max preps is pretty terrible. Um, max preps in general, not trying to throw too much shade, but it's not the most accurate statistic keeping website on the internet. But, you know, Jamal has a lot of work to go. And if you guys don't mind, I'd like to jump into Outlook here. Go for it. So if I'm being 100% honest, I think at the high end, based off of the film that we watched that Jamal is an NAIA player, you know, I, I've, I've seen some NAIA talent. And even on my request part 12, which if you haven't listened to that, you know, I did a breakdown on Owen Busetti, And I think that, you know, Jamal can physically probably reach some of the levels that Owen has, but Owen's a really polished football player. So, you know, that's kind of like what you're looking at at the NAI level is those guys that maybe aren't like athletic freaks of nature, but you know, they're, they're solid enough football players. And I think that, you know, that's probably the high end, but if he really wanted to maximize his chances of furthering his collegiate career, I think that if he went to a Juco as a linebacker and refined his body control, got stronger, learned more about the game of football, then I think that he might even be a D2 player if he's able to refine all those things. Oh, and get bigger for sure. I think he only weighs 180 pounds, which that's pretty small for a linebacker at the next level. So I'd want to see him probably put on 20 pounds to see him go to that D2 level. And I think that, you know, based off of the instincts that I saw and kind of his playmaking ability as far as forcing turnovers as a defensive stud, I think that, you know, that's very possible for Jamal. Cyber, what what would you project for Jamal? And then what do you think he'd need to do to fulfill said projection? Yeah, I, well, first off, I agree. I think his ceiling is definitely D2. I, he's not a D1 player. <laughs> he's just not. He's not a D1 player. I We know what D1 players look like, and he's just not. But I do think he can be a D2 guy. But And this is just general advice that goes out to anybody who's had their senior year canceled or postponed or whatever go to a juco you need the extra film that's at least two more years of gameplay um you could even redshirt at a juco too so that's one and then you could have two more years there uh and then just put on more film because uh just for y'all out there it's it's hard to evaluate film with one year's worth of uh experience or playing time you know it's just because for all i know that could be a one-year wonder type of deal and so go to a juco don't be afraid to prove yourself either because if i'm being completely honest with you you're not going to get a clear-cut answer or decision uh by the end of this year and so you're gonna have to make some tough decisions here so jamal if you're listening to this go to a juco bet on yourself be a dog compete against other guys and see what happens because i do think he could be a d2 guy maybe i i could see d3 nai right now probably but I think uh, he does have the potential to eventually take on at least a D2 partial or full ride scholarship, depending on how much he progresses and where he's at right now. So yeah, uh, Mason, what, what did you think about what me and Cody had to say about Jamal's outlook here? Do you think that's accurate? I think it's accurate. I think that NAIA would probably be where he'd go right away, but I think Juco would probably be the best bet to give him that extra film and just get him to that next level help him kind of progress a little bit. If he could hit the weight room and put on some weight, he could probably go D2. I could see him getting a full ride if he honed in on his skills. Fair enough. Yeah, 
Also, it looked. I, I found his uh, 40 yard dash time and it was 475, which is kind of a tough 40 yard dash. So that's. That kind of. So, sorry, I brought that up a little late, but <laughs> I, I found it on a centralmain.com from, from his coach. So, you know, obviously working on that top end speed is kind of a big deal, but. Yeah. That that's you know that's just a further testament. Like the running backs at the next level, they're four six guys basically at the minimum. So yeah, but you don't have to have great top end speed to be a college football player. Though. If you work on other things and if you hit that film room, you'll he'll be all right. Yeah, but he has to put in the work. Like don't get it twisted. Like there's not going to be a lot of opportunities given to him. He has to put in the work. And to be honest, probably now would be a good um, time to start reaching out to JUCOs and whatnot and, and other schools in general about opportunities. So, Absolutely. So I think that does it for Jamal. Obviously, we wish Jamal nothing but the best. You know, and Jamal, if you want to bring anything up or if there's something that we're missing, feel free to reach out. We'd love to have you on the show. But coming up next, we're going to be talking about Will Towns, the running back out of Jackson Memorial High School in New Jersey. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We're back at it with our out-of-state episode here. So we got Will Towns, the 5'11", 190-pound running back from Jackson Memorial High School in Jackson, New Jersey. I believe he's a three-star recruit committed to Wake Forest. So we're going to go ahead and start with areas of improvement slash, um, I guess, areas of concerns. Mason, do you want to start off with Will Towns here? Yes, so basically what I saw was I didn't see a lot of power come out of him. So basically the power aspect of his game, it seemed like a lot of times he where if he had the power in his legs and his upper body where he would have drove through the people, he definitely didn't. Uh, a lot of times uh, multiple people like crowding him, he couldn't make the move to get outside or go through them. So I didn't see any power in his game, but I, there's a lot of upside to him at the same time. Cody, what about you? Thanks, Mason, for tossing it over. So, yeah, Will Towns, I, I can't wait to talk about his strengths, but, you know, he definitely gets super high when he's pass blocking. You know, he doesn't play the leverage game at all, or basically when he's blocking ever, you know, some of the film where he's leading on run blocks, he just relies on his velocity more than anything else. I tell you that in the ACC, that's going to put you on your butt if you just try and run at somebody really hard to block them. So I, I definitely want to see him work on his pass blocking technique or just as blocking in general you know working on winning leverage and then getting his hands square in this you know someone's chest uh so um i didn't see a whole bunch of pass catching film and when i looked at his stats on max preps which once again isn't the most reliable source but he only had like 15 catches in two years which is kind of a huge red flag honestly that you know i can't rely on moving him out into the slot and trying to get a mismatch on a linebacker like his route running and everything to do with that is just kind of a huge unknown so it's like can i even have this guy on the field for three downs at a time keeps him in the role of a two down running back which is something that you don't want to see as a collegiate coach and i also think that you know his counter step is disgusting it's very awful to watch you know you don't fool a defense by like spinning around and then coming back to the ball like what are you faking you know and i'll put that a little bit on Probably his high school's coaching probably told him to do that. And it's just like that, I don't know where they come up with that. I've seen it here in Colorado and it's just, it doesn't make any sense for a counter step. But anyways, I also think that, you know, like Mason said, he doesn't have a whole bunch of power. I think part of that comes from that his upper body strength is a little bit questionable. 
and he's not super strong. You know, you don't see him really like toss guys or stiff arm people into the ground like a player that we'll talk about later this episode. And yeah, you know, just lacking in primarily strength. And then, you know, can I have him on the field on third down are my biggest question marks. Simon, if you want to talk about his weaknesses and then transition us into areas that are more positive, that is good to go. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely agree with both of y'all. I'd have to say blocking is definitely a problem. First off, we didn't see a lot of it. So there you go. And the stuff that we did see wasn't impressive. I, I, I'm i not going to be too harsh on it, but I think you got to get back to the fundamentals and you got to consistently get that leverage, uh, especially if you're a smaller back and, you know, really dig into whoever you're going to get or you can just chop block too. And that works great. But he didn't do either of those things. And so... I need to see some consistency there because you can't have a running back out there that can't block anybody. Um, so there you go. And then I kind of want to talk about his power a little bit more. So when you watch this film, I feel like it's very easy and almost deceptively uh, easy to say that he's he's a strong guy, right? Because he does break quite a bit of tackles, I would say. I, I, I would say that if you're watching his film, you could probably believe that he is a stronger running back and he has some decent strength, and he does, but I don't think it's all that. I think a lot of it is just him having really good body control and having great balance because, you know, there are a lot of times, well, pretty much all the time, where he can't shed more than two tacklers, and that's a problem. And sometimes he could barely shed one, if I'm being completely honest. You know, he relies on his speed and agility a lot, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, all it means is that on the next level, you... I mean, you know, you're going to have stronger players, obviously, so his strength has to be able to match those players. And so I'm definitely a little bit concerned about his power altogether. Um, he's just he just doesn't break a lot of tackles, you know, at least at least when it comes uh, to a physical standpoint. And so, yeah, there you go. And then I, last but not least, this isn't the worst thing, but I'd like to see him have a little bit more physicality and set the tone. Uh, he doesn't really come off as a tone setter, but you know, maybe it's just because of his style of play So let me go ahead and talk about his style of play and switch it up though. So he's definitely a speed Agility type of back, you know, he's very uh, jittery, you know, he has great juke moves He has great agility his top end speed is insane if he sees open light he's out of there You know, he has that home run speed as we call it here. So you know, you love to see that. It's obviously, it's obvious D1 speed, to be honest. Because, you know, we did talk about Jamal and how he didn't necessarily have that D1 speed. There's no doubt that Will Towns does have that D1 speed and could potentially be a change of pace back or maybe even de be developed into a receiving type of back and be able to do some damage both uh, through the air and on the ground. So there you go. And then I kind of already mentioned this before, but he does have really good balance. You'll see him squirm out of a lot of tackles. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a tough guy to bring down. And so you have to be fundamentally sound when you tackle the guy and whatnot. You can't be too high. You definitely can't be too low and whatnot. So he's definitely dangerous in that aspect. And then lastly, I, I won't take everything here, but lastly, he is pretty dangerous one-on-one. I would probably... I would probably bet on Will Towns winning a 101 9 out of 10 times, I would say. If it's a straight 101 and there's like nobody coming up behind him. So like in open field against a secondary player. I he's he's super talented and has a lot of juice on him. That's what you like to see. So yeah, but uh Mason or Cody, either one, 
do y'all want to talk about some positives or some things that you really liked about Will Towns here? Um, yeah, so he has his 40-yard dash listed as a 4.59, and I think that actually might be a little bit faster when he's at his top end. Yes. Yeah. He is definitely a fast player. He he has great cuts, great moves. He definitely is uh, an elusive back. Um, he can definitely move. And one-on-one -on -one situations, I'm with you. Nine times out of ten, he beats it every time. Yeah. Cody, anything? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, he has excellent vision. And like Simon already said, next level speed, great cuts. But his balance is easily his strongest trait as a running back, you know, that allows him to have the agility that he has, the footwork that he utilizes, and, you know, even stave off some would-be tacklers at times where, you know, they'll run into him, but his recovery and his ability to recover and get back up to top end speed is just insane, you know. He's a guy where if you do not bring him to the ground on first contact, he's going to score a touchdown if no one else is there to help you. So you got to slow him down enough for someone else to catch him. Otherwise, it's going to be a touchdown for this New Jersey high school team. One thing that I also really like is, you know, he protects the ball with two hands when running through the middle of the field. I think that's very important. And, you know, I, I say in my coaching experience this past year, that was one of the things that we had to deal with and try and coach up our players on was look if you're running through the middle and two people get their hands on you get two hands on the football and protect the rock i don't have to worry about telling will towns that and i really like that heading into the next level of, ball, uh, of football where i don't have to worry about ball security and him you know fumbling every game or something silly like that so that's, that's very mature as as far as being a ball carrier goes and one thing that I also really liked is he takes handoffs from both under center and shotgun. Here in Colorado, you see most of these running backs taking handoffs from shotgun, which I think opens up a bit more opportunities for them to have more time to read the field. But Will Towns doesn't need that. You know, he'll take handoffs out of shotgun. He'll take handoffs under center. And he's able to make the reads and the right cuts no matter what. So talking about that, you know, obviously next level burst, next level acceleration. And when we talk about the next level, we're actually talking about Wake Forest. You know, he's a three-star commit to Wake Forest, which is in the ACC, I believe. So I'm going to go ahead and take the reins on this and start talking Outlook. Will Towns is definitely a red shirt kind of guy, I think, on that next level. And when you look at the ACC competition, you know, we were talking about this before the show. How does he stack up against the Clemson, right? That's kind of, that's the bar in the ACC, absolutely. And if you can't compete against the Clemson, then you're probably not ready to go onto the football field. So Will Towns, he's got to get stronger, I think. He's got to refine his blocking. He's got to refine his pass catching. You know, there's plenty of things for him to work on during that redshirt year, you know, and everybody has an extra year of eligibility. So I don't think Wake Forest loses too much by giving him a redshirt year. In addition, I think that, you know, he might be a rotational guy his his next year, just based off of his athleticism. And, you know, the fact that he's a home run back, right, opens up a lot of opportunities where it's like, you know, let's give him a toss play on second and four because he might spring at 70 yards and score a touchdown. I think he's capable of doing that on the division one level. However, I think that he's probably closer to a one year starter, maybe a two year starter, depending on how well his red shirt year goes. Simon, what do you think about that analysis on his outlook and what would you maybe revise about it? Yeah, I, I would probably have to agree. I could see a one to two year starter and that's never a bad thing on the FBS D1 level. I think so. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. I think so. We talked about his weaknesses. Uh, you know, his strength, his receiving skills, his blocking skills. If he could improve one of those and get really good at, to be honest, just one of those, then I do think he could get onto the field faster and could potentially be an NFL guy, in my opinion. Um, but it, there's a lot of work to be done there. Obviously, those skills will have to be refined uh, quite a bit. Like, you can't just work on one and ignore the other two. You gotta work on all of them eventually. But if you could get really good at one of those, I think that will go a long way for him. And it would see a lot more playing opportunities for him on the field, too, because, you know, don't get it twisted. It's an FBS. They're gonna continue to recruit guys, uh, get guys in there that could do the same thing you could do, plus more. So, um, he has to stay on his toes, keep working. And I think for him, if he could have some big games too, and this is way down the road, but if he could have some big games against some like stout defenses in the ACC, like I'm thinking just right off the top of my head of Clemson or Notre Dame, if they decide to stay or whatever, then that could that could mean a lot for uh, for Will Towns here. So so yeah, but one to two years, that's not a bad thing. But he'll have to work so he could uh, keep his spot there, though, no doubt. Mason, what about you? What do you think about all this? Uh, I totally agree. I think that he definitely uh, should redshirt probably his first year, gain a maybe gain a little bit of weight. Yeah. Because he is only 190, so if he could gain a little weight, that might help him with the power aspect. And then the helping with the power aspect could probably help him get it, his feet under him to block, and that would help with two different things for him to work on. And then if he could get good at both of those, probably a two-year starter, uh, maybe a rotational player his uh, second year in. Yeah, that's a very good point to bring up the weight, you know, because it's a lot easier to play a little bit lower to the ground at 200 than 190. So, it's true. And I think 200 might be the goal weight here, right? Yeah, I think that that's the ideal weight to balance both bringing in the power aspect and keeping his speed at the same time. Yeah, playing weight at 200, that is. Yeah. Not listed, but playing weight. If he could get, if he could keep his speed at 200 pounds, he would be lethal. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like that does it for Will Towns. Will, congratulations on your commitment to Wake Forest. That's big time. Obviously, if you want to come on to the show, you are more than welcome. Coming up next, Mason is going to fill us in on Troy Fountain, the center out of Bama. Bama. Uh, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're talking about the center that's 260 pounds out of Escambia Academy High School in Atmore, Alabama. Uh, Cody, you want to talk about the positives? Yeah, so we got Troy Fountain here. You know, I'd say there's a lot of positives to talk about, but I'll try and leave the majority of the positives to the more the in the trenches guys here at the Playmakers Corner podcast. But something that I could see immediately was his football IQ jumps off the film. You know, he's very good at help helping his teammates double whenever he's called upon to do that. He's very good at knowing when he gets to go second level. And, you know, he's good at taking on multiple blockers at once on certain plays, you know, especially in pass protection. There's a lot of plays where, you know, he accepts a blitz and he passes off that linebacker to somebody else and then picks up a defensive lineman or vice versa. You know, his football IQ 
is what allows him to block so many people. And I think that it's part of the reason why his pass protection is so refined is because you can tell that Troy here just understands the game of football really well. And that's probably why they have him at the center position because you want your smartest lineman at the center position. And he's exactly that for this Escambia Academy high school team. Uh, then just speaking on just pure football basis, you know, he's a pretty strong football player. And I think that he has really good footwork and leverage, especially in the past game where he keeps his shoulders over his knees and he keeps his center of balance, you know, very thin, right? And, and he's able to keep that line basically and, and not lose it. So those are, those are the biggest strengths that I saw. Mason, what were the positives that you saw being a former center yourself? Well, as a former center, his snaps are very solid and off the release, like from his snap, he hits people immediately. So his first step is great. Uh, he gets to the second level and he uses his leverage when he needs it. Um, he uses a lot of like resetting his hips whenever he gets into out of position, he'll reset his hips and flip around when he needs to. Um, and he never stops using his feet. Uh, his, his fundamentals are definitely there. Um, I'm not going to take them all. So Simon, uh, what else have you seen? Sounds good. So obviously I agree with both of y'all. I think for somebody his size, <clears throat> for somebody his size at 5'10", 260 or what have you, you know, he's definitely stronger than he looks and stronger than what he's listed at. You know, it's very rare that you see this guy get blown off the ball at all, to be honest. Um, he's usually the one knocking heads together and making it happen. He's a people mover. He's a physical. He's somebody that you love to have at center because he just sets that tone. He's a tone setter. And, you know, he, he makes it happen for this team. And um, he does it as a pass blocker and a run blocker. Obviously, I, well, maybe not obviously, but if you watch his film, I would say that he is a stronger run blocker than pass blocker and he's a very good run blocker at that you know he'll open up holes and turn guys around and whatnot but as a pass blocker you know when he snaps the ball he's just so solid you know um it's rare that any defensive tackles will you know swim move him or you know get around him or pass rush it out at all or collapse that pocket you know he's he's pretty stout to be honest and he just he holds it down at that center position and that's i mean as a coach and as somebody who has coached old linemen that's what you love to see because trust me there's nothing well there's a couple things but there's not a lot of things more frustrating than seeing the interior of your line collapse um then oh god than that so but that's never a problem with him here you know he does his job and he does it well so uh there you go but here, how about we go ahead and talk about some areas of improvement? I, honestly, I don't really have a lot. I think I'm just going to po point this out here, and this will probably be my only one. But I think his height is definitely a little bit of a problem. And if I'm being completely honest, we'll talk about outlook later. But I think that's the thing that will hold him back from being a D1 player, despite having uh, potentially D1 talent right now. But, you know, being a 5'10 center... You're going to go up against defensive tackles that are anywhere between six foot to six five, maybe even a taller. And, you know, it definitely helps having that length uh, arm wise there. And so I think that's definitely a little bit of a problem. There are some bigger uh, defensive linemen that could hold him at bay, that could gain leverage on him, that could move around him. And it's all just because he's a shorter guy. You know, and that's definitely not like a hit on his power or anything like that. Like we said, it's and his leverage, it's definitely a strength of his. But, you know, being as short as he is, that's definitely something to keep in mind when uh, recruiting linemen in general. So there you go. 
but Mason or Cody, what are some other areas of improvement slash concerns you have for Troy Fountain here? Um, I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking, but his hands can get away from him at times. Uh, sure. Certain times when he's like going to the second level, if he's grabbing him from the side, it does seem like he holds a little bit, but that's when he usually flips his hips and gets back into better position. Uh, he allows defenders to get his hands on him when they're in the clinch. And that's one thing that I think is kind of part of his size is I don't think his arms are as long as some of the other people, which that could not help in the end, but he does definitely use his strength there, which helps a lot because he is very strong. Uh, if he engages his hips more when he drives, he'd probably be even stronger, which would just make him even that much better. Uh, Cody? Yeah, so talking about Troy Fountain, once again, I don't have too much to talk about. His size is definitely pretty inconsistent when being listed, whether that's on his huddle to max preps to his actual huddle film. Yeah. So, you know, that's a huge question mark that you kind of want to be addressed as a college mm -hmm. coach, for sure. And then nitpicking a little bit, he doesn't always get his head on the correct side when, when going up, but usually he's just so strong that, or, or he wins leverage so well that it doesn't usually matter. But if we want to transition into uh, Outlook here, I do actually have some. Uh, I have his Twitter pulled up, and I can go through some of his offers if you guys want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. So he has an offer to the Bethany Swedes, which was his fifth offer and his most recent one. He had an offer to play for William Penn. He has an offer to Ottawa, which is where Owen Buschetti is going, as a matter of fact. So getting a little bit more and more familiar with Ottawa every single day out there in Kansas. Um, let's see. That looks like the most the most recent ones. He was an All-State player. Oh, he also got invited to a Grandview Prospect Camp. And uh, Sterling College Football, which is a D3. Most of these are NAIA schools. What is Mason? What is your reaction to hearing some of these offers? Do you think they're appropriate? Do you think he's getting undersold? What do you think? Uh, I definitely think he's a little bit undersold. I think his size will keep him out of the Division One game, but I think Division Two would probably be where I would set him. Um, it might be the fact of his height that they're kind of keeping him out of that Division Two, and then because of COVID and everything, they're not, you know, offering as many scholarships. But uh, I think if he went to an NAIA, he'd probably be better going JUCO because then he could prove himself there and probably get that D2 offer. Uh, Simon? Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. I, I definitely have to agree there. Um, see, the thing that sucks is that if he was 6'2", he'd have a D1 offer by now. But he's not. He's not. Uh, he's 5'10". For some, to be honest, some college coaches see 5'10". Uh, as 5'9", basically, and that's already too short for them, at least when it comes to linemen. So uh, that, that, that can't fly. And so as unfair as that is, I do think he shouldn't take anything less than a D2, in my opinion. And, you know, if all he has are D3 offers, I would probably say I would agree with you, go to Juco and earn your full ride, because I do think he's a full ride guy, and he's an, um, an immediate starter, to be honest, at that center position, which it's kind of hard to find, you know, good centers, because I, you know, you can find some good guards, but that doesn't mean they're good snappers, and, you know, pass blocking is always a little bit different. Yeah, so it's, it's sometimes hard to come by 
a really good stout center just in general because there's a lot of things that go in there arguably there's a lot of things to work on at the center position out of all the offensive line positions and so if you could ever get a good one that could anchor your offense be a leader and all that that's that's the position you want to recruit the most so i'd have to say you know don't sell yourself short if you're listening to this troy um you know Find the best opportunity. Bet on yourself. Like like I said, like we said earlier, you know, especially with COVID, there's not going to be a clear-cut decision uh, at least 90% of the time unless you were offered before. So you got to make some of those opportunities for yourself. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to absolutely agree that he is way more than a Division three player. I do think that, you know, these NAIA offers, depending on how much they're offering him, you know, as far as like partial scholarship or whatever, I think that they're intriguing and I think that they're worth a risk, you know, and I think that he can go through the transfer portal at the NAIA level and still end up at a D2 school. So, you know, just bet on yourself, Troy. And, you know, we wish you nothing but the best heading forward. We're all tied. No. <laughs> with that being said that wraps up our third out of fourth player on this class of 21 out of state episode and this out of state week so we will catch you right after the break with a player that simon found coming up all right y'all was good welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast we have our last segment here and we're gonna talk about javante thomas the 510 185 pound wide receiver from van high school i believe he is committed to is it lamar university yep right and that's an fcs d1 school too so he's he's one of the better players we have here and also our first texas football player that we're doing a breakdown of and so i'm gonna go ahead and get this thing started with some errors of improvement so this is something that i that i've seen a lot you know i obviously um y'all know this those of you in the room here but to the listeners who don't know i'm from texas and so i've seen a lot of texas football in my day high school and whatever and you know this is definitely a pattern that you see in a lot of texas wide receivers but usually they're just very uber athletic athletes who aren't as polished as they could be and i'm gonna kind of leave it there uh you know he's a little raw in a lot of different places you know he's definitely not as polished as a chase penry for sure either in route running or releases or whatever and you know cody and mason they'll they'll go into that a little bit more but i just have to say just like a lot of texas receivers he's very raw and as a receiver i think he could definitely do some good working on that craft a little bit more uh working on the little details you know he obviously has some other really good things going for him but we'll talk about that later mason why don't you go ahead and uh Talk about some areas of improvement or some areas of concerns for Javante Thomas here. Uh, I think the biggest thing I saw was probably his route running. He seems to not have like very crisp route running. It seems to be kind of, he goes through it, but he's not always on point there. And that's like my main thing that I saw. And then he doesn't put the ball always on the outside. Like he always, sometimes he has the ball in the wrong hand as he goes down the field. So that's my main two things. Cody? Yeah, so once again, not a very polished route runner. He definitely rounds a lot of his routes. And, you know, I'd say even the route that he runs the most, which is that corner route, he rounds that a lot of the time, especially when he could throw in, you know, like a head fake or something like that or chop down a little bit more to try and beat the defender. But I just think that he's not really 
contested enough. Simon brought it up, you know, especially before we went on air too, that, you know, he's constantly in the slot. And, you know, regardless of whether you can hold that against him or not, like it's up to the coaches where they put him, right? But it's like, he's not getting to face off against cornerback ones, you know, whenever he's playing in the slot most of the time, or, or he's going off against a safety or sometimes even a linebacker. You know, so the matchups obviously favor him and his speed a lot of the time. So I'm a little bit concerned about how he might look against, you know, some of those actual Division One cornerbacks or those cornerback ones and how his route running stacks up against that. I also think that, you know, his stance, he almost never has the correct foot forward. And, you know, he, it could lead to being like a little bit off balance for his get offs. And so I think that by working on his stance, he could definitely improve his speed and his balance. And, you know, that will lead to better route running by having a good stance. You know, we talked about it in our top receivers of 21 here in Colorado, which if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and give it a listen and see kind of what our criteria is for being a top wide receiver and see, you know, you'll see how our critiques match up for Javante in Texas and how they match up for Colorado receivers here. But, you know, I definitely think that he needs to work on his stance, work on his routes. And his stance will sometimes even reveal the play. And this is especially evident when it's like a jet sweep or a verse. You know, he definitely points his stance inwards instead of having his normal receiver stance. And, you know, as a defensive coordinator at that next level, it's like, okay, he's going to run a reverse. I know because he's standing like that. So, you know, that's another thing to work on. Another reason to work on the stance that is, is so that he can actually fool the defense a little bit and not reveal the play so much. And sometimes he can reveal his routes a little bit too, depending on the type of stance that he is using. And last but not least, I do have some concerns about his ball security. Like Mason said, you know, sometimes he has it in the wrong hand and usually he just keeps it in his right hand. I'm pretty sure he's just right-handed and that's why. But being able to switch and get it to that outside hand is very critical on that next level, especially playing D1 football you know, in that Southland conference. And also the ball kind of gets away from him sometime. I know Simon and I watched his film and there's one play where he's not as close to the pylon as he thinks he is and he dives for it. But like the ball was, gosh, I always do these actions, but the audience can't see it. But like I'm I'm holding my (laughs) arm all the way out from my body and the ball is just floating out there, like begging to get punched out, you know? So I definitely would be curious to see kind of what his fumble numbers are because man, I'm kind of on a tear on max preps, but the max prep stats on this guy are, there's nothing to be found and they're completely inaccurate. So, you know, however that needs to get fixed, that needs to get cleared up. But I I wonder what his fumble numbers look like. And I definitely would be a little bit concerned about that, about that, especially with as many times as he runs the ball between the tackles. You know, at Vance High School, I imagine that he can get used the same way at the next level. And we'll talk about why in a second. But, you know, you don't want that liability of ball security being the concern for not getting him on the field. But with all those things being said, you know, we could go ahead and transition into strengths that Javante Thomas has. And I'll go ahead and kick us off here because I did just kind of you know, go on a tangent a little bit, but that doesn't mean that I don't think that Javante is an absolute D1 talent, you know, super athletic, great speed, next level speed. Part of the, you could see that there's not a bunch of players in 3A Texas football that he played that matches up to him speed wise. You know, he's a, once he gets that edge, it's over, you know, no one's going to catch him from behind. He's just not that type of player. 
And, you know, I think that another thing is his hands are solid and that's why they put him out in that position. You know, he has multiple one-handed grabs and boundary catches and stuff. So I'm not concerned about him, you know, so much as being a wide receiver and catching the football as I am about like the little details, but you know, he has the raw athletic potential and you know, the bare minimum know-how and capability to dominate as a wide receiver. And that's why he, and that's exactly what he did. You know, I also really like his route running. You know, I think that there's, there's a couple of times where I was losing my mind where he slow plays because it's a play action and the cornerback bites really hard on his fake run block. And then it's an easy touchdown for Javante. So I, I've, man, I had so much fun watching those plays because I was like, that is exactly what you want out of route running. And, you know, there's not a lot of receivers that we watch that even were able to do that here. So, you know, because of the speed that he possesses, you know, that, that Texas speed hits a little bit different. I also think that as a runner, he has really good patience and vision, and he has one of the best stiff arms that we've watched here on the Playmakers Corner. But I don't want to take up too much time here and talk about all of his strengths, Grants, that he has plenty to talk about, and we're all going to bring up his speed, so I'll go ahead and pass it over to Mason here. Uh, just like you said, he is really fast. Um, he definitely has that next level D1 speed, and he has great hands. There's times when he makes catches that not a lot of receivers would make just because his hands are so strong just out of him just having the natural talent i think that uh, i liked him at running back when he was playing his running back film when they were handing it to him he had great vision looking through the line he'd make the cuts when he needed to make the cuts um and he does the same thing when he catches the ball he goes through he tears defenses apart he's willing to make the cut when he needs to make the cut and i feel like he's definitely that division one talent so simon yeah, so, man, does it feel good to be watching Texas football again? I'll tell y'all what. Uh, look, Javante Thomas, he's a special kind of player, but also, you know, this is just the standard level of playing um, in, in Texas. You know, in Van High School, you know, they're, they're a solid program. They're definitely not like a perennial, like, playoff team type of program, or at least when I was there, they weren't. But, <clears throat> you know, every now and then there's – uh, there's some guys, and, I, and this is just my belief, but in Texas, you know, each team has at least one or two guys that could be college-level players. Um, and then I mentioned this before, you know, unlike we kind of mentioned this a lot in Colorado, like we'll knock 1A players, 2A players a lot for just being on the 1A or 2A level. But in Texas, you could be a 2A or 1A player and still go D1. That's just the level of competition there. And so Javante Thomas doing the things he does in Texas – uh, it, it means a lot because he was balling. You know, we all mentioned his speed. Uh, obviously, he, he's explosive there, but you know, his uh, power just in general, it's it's pretty, I'd say, underrated and decept he's deceptively strong for somebody his size. Jamal, uh, is it Cariglia or Carig? What do you say? Cariglia? Cariglia, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Jamal Cariglia, you know, he's basically the same size, height, weight as a uh, Javante Thomas but it's very apparent that Javante Thomas is not only faster but he's much stronger than him uh, one play that comes to mind is that he got the ball and I think a corner was about to wrap him up and I thought it was pretty good for him like the corner wasn't going too high or anything like that but Javante just threw his shoulder into him and the corner flipped out literally and physically uh, into <laughs> the ground and you know and then Javante went on to score because he could do that 
And, you know, Javante Thomas, in my opinion, is definitely a possession uh, receiver type. I, you know, he's not very much a route runner or a jump ball type of guy. I think he's just somebody that you need to get the ball in his hands a lot. And he'll make good things happen for you. And he did make good things happen for Van High School, both as a running back, like you mentioned, Mason, and as a receiver, like you mentioned, Cody. And he's just a playmaker all around. And so, you know, just having that ability to go to the house, whether it's through his finesse and speed or whether it's through, you know, destroying a couple guys, like bulldozing through two or three guys and then scoring, uh, he just makes it happen. And, you know, I kind of wanted, lastly here, I kind of wanted to bring up his vision because it's it's excellent. I think there's one play on the goal line specifically where he's the Wildcat quarterback. And he takes, I want to say he takes a step or two to the left. And it's nothing crazy. It's very subtle, but the weight transfer really sells it. And then you see the line begin to flow that way. I believe you can see the defensive tackle do a spin to the right. And then he just cuts all the way back around to the right uh, to an open running lane and just punches it in. And that was, and it happened in like maybe two or three seconds. It was really quick. And we had to watch that play a couple of times over to really, you know, see the vision, see the agility, speed, and then even at the strength at the end of the run to, you know, punch it in to make that happen. And, you know, that's that's special. You know, it seems like he has very just natural instincts. And, you know, he's, he's just a baller. He's just a football player. So that's always good to see. Um, and then I know I said that was the last thing, but versatility, that's never a bad thing. We always bring that up. He could probably play receiver or running back as a D1 guy and start and put up numbers and it wouldn't be a problem at all. But with that being said, let's go ahead uh, and talk about his outlook here. I'll, I'll kick it off since I'm already talking. I think I think we kind of all agree here. He would probably be a much better running back on that next level than receiver. And I'm going to say that because <laughs> there's less work for him to do. Um, to become a, a really good running back on the FCS level than it would take for him to become a really good receiver on the next level because he does have a lot of things to polish as a pass catcher and that's not a bad thing you know route running you could literally do that right now you don't need you know a quarterback or anything like that just run good routes work on your footwork right um, but it does take time and that's a repetition game as a running back I would say you know just get bigger He's already pretty jacked, I'd say, but, you know, 200 pounds, I think, is uh, his target weight. He could probably inflate even up to 205, 210 and still be pretty comfortable there and do his thing. And so, and that's 205, 210 pound as a playing weight. So just throwing that out there. But I would think that he'd be a very good running back on the next level. And, you know, he could catch. We, we all know that he could catch. And we, Cody, you and I mentioned this all the time, but, you know, Nowadays, if you're playing running back, you got to catch. If you can't catch, then I guess you'll see the field a third of the time than you can. So that's just how that goes. Oh, and he could also play special teams too, and that's never a bad thing. So, yeah, but Mason or Cody, um, do y'all think that's a fair little evaluation or outlook there uh, of uh, Javante Thomas moving forward? I absolutely agree. You know, I, I, I even said it when we were watching the film. I was like, you know, I think that he'd be – I'd probably put him at running back and I would probably recruit him as running back. I'm pretty sure he was recruited as a wide receiver as far as, you yeah. know, trying to play it objectively how he was recruited to Lamar. But I really like him at the tailback position. I think that, you know, at, at least especially right now with as it stands with his strength and his size and his speed, that he has NFL potential at the running back position. Yeah. Probably more so than the wide receiver position. 
And, you know, at the running back position, that, that also allows him to, you know, be a punt returner and a kick returner and things like that. And maybe not have to, like, run, like, go routes constantly, you know, and then go return if you score a touchdown or something like that. So right. I, I really like his ability to run. And like you said, he's really strong, too. You know, like, it's it almost be a crime to not give him handoffs with the amount of strength that he possesses and, you know, his ability to stiff arm and truck people. So... I, I don't want to do a disjustice to to the football gods because you know they're they're really easy to upset and man they hold a grudge for a long time so I think for the sake of the game and for uh, Javante's sake you have to put him in at running back at Lamar University and you know get him a handful of carries I mean he had basically the same amount of yards catching as he had running his senior year I'm pretty sure yeah. and he but he ran for even more touchdowns than he caught so. You know, I think that shows like his nose for the end zone and, you know, just just his big play capability. And I, I really like the idea of moving him to running back. And like you said, he can catch like, you know, y you look for that, especially, you know, in this evolving age of of the passing game. You know, you want to find like the next Christian McCaffrey and, you know, Javante sure. just might be that guy, you know, potentially, potentially, potentially. Yeah. What do you think, Mason? Um, I'm right there with you. I think if he could get a little bit heavier, but keep his speed, he would be like one of the top running backs at the college level just because of him and the way he can like stiff arm. He has a lot of power and then being 5'11 at 205, that'd be a great weight to be sitting. Um, I 100% agree. I think I'd put him at running back and then the catching ability outside the backfield would be just an add on bonus. Yeah. For sure. I, I just realized you didn't mention this, but is he a three-year, four-year starter? What do y'all think? I think at the FCS level, I mean, okay, if they want him to be the best receiver that he could possibly be, then you probably redshirt him, you know, and, and you get his route running a bit more polished and his stance more polished. Yeah. If, if you want to go that route. However, I think as far as playmaking, and obviously the weight, I'd like to put on some more weight. So I'm going to go ahead and say, go put on a red shirt. You know, you have guys who have leftover eligibility anyway. So, you know, you don't want to like try and force him onto the field necessarily, because I think for the next three years, he's going to ball out for you, you know, and I think his usage rate is going to be, or at least if I'm the, I'm the coach here, I think his usage rate is really high on my team. So it's like, you know, might as well give him the redshirt year, get him ready for the amount of touches that he's going to get on special teams and offense, whether he's catching, running or returning. And, you know, get, give him that year to, you know, get, be prepared for the workload that he's going to be facing. Fair enough. I think as a receiver, I would even give him another year. He could be in there as a rotational guy, but... <clears throat> After a redshirt year, I'd probably even give him another year to like continue to uh, work on his craft, you know, because, you know, route running a lot of it, I would say is probably muscle memory and just getting the right uh, strides and lengths and distances and all that great stuff, you know, and then obviously I would like to see him work off the press a little bit more as well. And so as a receiver, I could definitely see him being a solid two year starter and then running back low key, he could probably be... A rotational guy this next year so you could still use him and then he'll you know play another three years and be a solid starter there um that wouldn't surprise me but you never know i mean we always say take a red shirt anyways because you have to adjust to the academics of it all because it's not high school anymore you're, you're out of college so 
you know, get your grades right, get used to it, get into a routine there, and uh, um, you'll be right. But Mason, do you, do you agree with all that? Or Yeah, I agree. Definitely a redshirt year, and then if he's a running back, he could probably be going for three years on the field or rotational for one and two years on there. Sure. But I th- I say if, if he's going for wide receiver and they keep him at wide receiver, the next year is definitely a type of, you know, honing in on everything he does and trying to polish himself to make him the best route runner, best catcher he can. Yeah, for sure. All right. Sounds good. Well, Javante Thomas, you requested yourself. So if you want to come on to the show, you are more than welcome to. But I believe that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Make sure to follow all of our socials. That is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, at the Playmakers Corner. Uh, remember, if you want to request players, make sure you leave their name, position, what year they graduate, probably, and then where they're from, whether it's their high school or state or state or hometown or whatever. And is there something I'm missing? Sorry. I I do want to take this time to make one announcement, actually. So, our class of 2022. We have moved all of you into a separate spreadsheet for our sake and you know we're gonna start watching film on you guys and getting ready for you know our top five playmakers kind of list for the class of 2022 in so colorado. yeah in, in colorado, colorado yeah. that is to i know that we just did an out-of-state episode but for my colorado listeners and athletes and we'll bring this up on probably the request episodes as well so this hopefully this is the third time you're hearing it yeah. but anyways you know we're gonna be looking at that and if you're in class of 2022 be looking for your name either on a top five list probably or know that your request is going to be coming at a later time yes. so at least if you're in the state of colorado colorado if you're out of state well we already did yeah we already did the request yeah, episodes we did on like you. three or four players that are out of state that are class of 22 so whoops whatever yeah um, but, but but colorado for yeah. sure be you guys are going to be waiting and then i know that you know we have a handful of underclassmen like freshmen and some sophomores and we're gonna we're gonna start looking at those all right and uh getting through those and you know maybe some of these players we end up doing two breakdowns on depending on you know where they are their senior year and stuff so younger players just uh thank you for your patience for everybody on the request list i know that this has been a long process we know we've done at this point 14 request episodes which is a lot of players so thanks for hanging in there with us and thank you so much for the support I have been Cody Stoffer. Uh, before, before, oh, we before end the up here, side off, side. Uh, Mason, thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 you But yeah, Mason, thank you for coming on to the show, and uh, be on the lookout for Mason being on a couple more episodes, and hopefully some interviews here too as well. So. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, as always, if if it's a if it's a lineman, Mason has probably done a scouting report on it. So, Mason, thanks for all your help at the uh, Playmakers Corner. And uh, take two, I've been Cody Stoffer. I'm still Simon Villanos. I'm Mason Austin. And you just finished listening to the Playmakers Corner podcast. Peace.